The big, so the big battle of the bands, man. Oh my god, did you guys introduce yourself as the Pinheads? Do <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. you guys get that joke? Please, somebody get it. Not sure. Sorry, it's from Back to the Future One. When yeah. when it, Marty McFly's trying out to be yeah. uh, oh, their band right. is trying out yeah. the battle of bands to be the band for the school dance and he like comes up he's like yeah we're the pinheads and then they do it and Mr Strickland doesn't like them and he says you're afraid you're just too darn loud you guys are a rough crowd but if you seen if you seen Back to the Future you you anyhow That's go ahead. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Greenway Outdoors podcast. We are in the Gasoline Gypsy studio right now, which is why we're all spread out on the couches here. And if you guys don't know who the Gasoline Gypsies are, if you watch the Greenway Outdoors on History Channel for this past season, I think roughly like six out of ten episodes had their music in it. And I know a lot of you reached out and wanted to know more about the band and more about the music. So what better way to do that than do an actual podcast? So the first thing we're going to do is kind of go around the room so everyone can kind of introduce themselves. And what we'll have you guys do is we'll have you introduce yourself, say your name, and then three things you love about me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and start with you. Hi, I'm Neil Love. I play guitar in the band. Hi, I'm Joe Mikowski. I play the drums. I'm Caleb Maluli. I play guitar and sing lead vocals. I'm Steve. I play bass and uh, I do some backup vocals. And my name's Connor. I play keyboards. Okay. Yeah, so I obviously have gotten to know these guys a little bit more over the last uh, few months as we were recording. And the story about how all this kind of started was your guys' manager actually reached out to us. That's right. And uh, he's like, you know what? I really like what you guys are doing and I think this music might fit for you. And I got to be honest. We were like on a search for good music to fit into our show, uh, but it was hard to find because finding bands that are really good that wouldn't cost us a million dollars to actually put the music into the into the show and people that kind of had the right tonality for what we were going for and the right messaging and the right feel that goes with the content because you can't just... So much as I would have loved to, you can't just throw Love Shack and everything. You know what I mean? You, you, you need like a little bit more variety. Might get um, into fights. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, we'll dive into that later. Um, but yeah, we needed something that fit right. And, you know, when I when I listen to your guys' music, I'm like, geez, I can't believe I haven't heard of this before. And we had a premiere party at Bass Pro Shops in Auburn Hills, Michigan, uh, for our premiere party where you guys actually played live to like 300 plus of our, our fans of our show. And the response was like overwhelming and everyone kind of always says the same thing is like as soon as they hit it, they're going to hit it big because they just need somebody, to, the right person at the right time to see it. And you guys are going to be the next big thing. And as I've listened to your music, I a lot of it resonates with me. Um, there is one song specifically that really hit my heartstrings. And I, I guess you said everybody here cried. Too. Everyone cried. We all cried. Um, but it's called Mud in the Water. And you and I were talking about this. We did a little hunting this past weekend, too. Right. Yeah. And when we were talking about Mud in the Water, you have to listen to the song. So if you go to the Gasoline Gypsies YouTube channel, you can listen to it there. And the song itself, though, is so deep because it talks about somebody that has a dream and a goal. And obviously, when you have dreams and goals, as you're working towards them, life can get pretty hard. It's not always easy. And 
that resonates with me more than anybody. You know, we've been building this company for eight and a half years to get to where we are today. So we know about the first six years sucking. Oh yeah. You know, at least the first. Yeah. And the, (laughs) the struggle and the hurt and the, the fortitude and everything it takes to get through. And it kind of talks about how there's mud in the water now is the, obviously the lyric and I'm kind of doing your job right now, but but the, the mud in the water is basically all the hardships and difficulties that kind of take the glimmer away of the dream and you can get kind of lost in it. But what I kind of pulled from the end of it is the fact that that's what happens. There's mud in the water and the magic's gone. But it's like the people that make it in this world are the people that even when the magic's gone, even when the glimmer's gone, even when the hope is gone, even when everyone's telling you you should stop, it's those people that dig a little bit deeper, work a little bit harder yeah. to still find that dream. And I think then it clears it up. And that's conservation in the end of the day. You know, yeah, once the water absolutely. Once yeah, it, no, absolutely. Yeah. Is that kind of like what your feel was when you were writing that? Yeah, it had a lot to do with that. Um, I had a concept for that song for quite a while. And it was, um, you know, in a very general way that, yeah, that it's, you know, the magic in life, regardless of uh, what aspect of life you're talking about. Like you said, if you're grinding away at something, it, um, you know, the magic starts to go away a little bit when you're living it every day, you know. Um, but there's still that, that magic thing that you're pushing for, like you said, it's something you got to keep grinding towards and keep trying for. And uh, it's still there. It's still there for us at the end of the day or we wouldn't be coming here twice a week and uh, <laughs> hanging how, out with each other. How many days a week do you guys record or practice, I should say? So we practice at least twice a week, and usually it's about – we're usually in here for about eight hours, maybe ten sometimes, sometimes six. You know, Mondays Mondays and Sundays every week we're in here grinding away. It is, a, it is a grind, too, I know. Oh, yeah. It's like always trying to get better, always trying to get to that next level. Yep. Your guys' music is great. I really do have a feeling that one day you guys aren't even going to want to be bothered talking to people like us. Ah, but. no way, <laughs> no way. Yeah, probably. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, can, you can see it. See it coming. But, yeah, I, uh, I no, I, I really do like your guys' music. And then you and I actually got to go out this past weekend, do a little bit of hunting together. Yeah, that was a blast, man. Yeah. That was cool. Like I told you when we were out there, you know, my experience hunting, I've been doing a lot of it the past 10 years, but it's mostly, you know, deer and turkey hunting and might as well be the same thing. You wait for your target to stand still and then, you know, wait for the, sh- the shot to line itself up and take the shot with duck hunting. It's definitely a whole different experience. That was very, very cool. Yeah, we um, we took out our, if you've watched the um, invasive carp episode in South Dakota or our snakehead episode uh, in Maryland, uh, on the History Channel series, we used our our big camo center council flat bottom boat. And that's what you and I took out. Yeah. They don't make a blind for that boat yet, so you got to see me and Jeffrey's makeshift wood <laughs> yeah. wood paneling, where it's like all built up around the boat. It didn't look that bad though. No, it didn't. I think my favorite moment was us driving back and the wind blowing so bad that I had to like grab the whole piece of grass that was whipping you in the face the whole time and <laughs> hold it back on the edge of that boat we're yeah. driving over white caps that was uh we have a video funny. of that actually <laughs> what do you think <laughs> but yeah we we woke up we got out there it was like right before daylight saving so sun sun up wasn't till like yeah I think the beginning of shooting time was something like 7.48 because mm-hmm. it was right before the daylight savings time. And uh, we got out there, I think we were there like 6.30, 6.45, and uh, we hit the water. And it's on Saginaw Bay, and those of you that know Saginaw Bay, it is really, really, really shallow. And it really depends on the time of year, too, as far as you know where the water depths are and stuff. 
and we had the wind blowing off the shore from behind us. So in a lot of the water that we were in, it was like a foot and a half of water. We have a 150-horse <laughs> prop engine on that uh, on that boat. So it was we had it like tilted. Caleb was right in the front of the boat. And I was like, I said to him, I was like, we can go together. I need you to know I've never done this. <laughs> I've, I've passively done similar, but never with this boat in this situation. Like this is going to be somewhat new to me too. So we go out <clears throat> and the first thing we do is we just set up all of our uh, – we, like, find a good area where there's a bunch of ducks, but in, like, the open water, but the wind is just whipping. So the boat's kind of like a kite. It's got this big wood frame all the way around it, and the fast grass that is on it is just, like, shoving it like a kite. And uh, we're like, well, we'll put out the decoys because there's a bunch of ducks out here. It's only, like, four foot of water, and then we'll anchor just short of the decoys, and things should work out. And, like, why we're putting out decoys, we're, like – putting them out and like floating through where they were and then driving the boat up and then putting them out and floating through where they were. And, uh, every time we went through, you're like, there's ducks in the decoys. There's ducks in the decoys. <laughs> yeah. They were out there like the whole time. Yeah, they were. They were buzzing us pretty much as soon as we started putting them out. It was, uh, that was wild compared to my only one other experience. I'd never seen so many ducks. What do you think? Thousands? Yeah, it was, it was definitely oh, thousands wow. out on the horizon. It was like, it looked like flocks of blackbirds coming through. <laughs> it you was, know, that was really, that was something. It's like the sheer number of ducks that are out there on Saginaw Bay is just overwhelming. I'm not going to say where we were in Saginaw Bay because I don't want to get hated by everyone listening to <laughs> yeah. this. Cause you just get <laughs> That'll happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. They're like looking to hate me as it is, so I'm not going to give them any ammo. <laughs> but we set them all up, and then we go to anchor, and I'm like, I think we're moving. He's like, I think we're moving too. And it's like <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden we're like going through the decoys. It's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, not to mention picking up all those decoys at the end. When we decided to move, that was wild. Those things were spread out like crazy. Well, Getting yeah, pushed around. Because it was like, it was four foot of water, and I had six foot lined with weights on the decoys, thinking that that would be enough. It wasn't with the waves. <laughs> like it was white caps going out, yeah. which is strange. Because yeah, normally that wow. would be like going to shore. It was right. white caps going out. And I'm like, I don't think those decoys are sticking, and we certainly aren't. So we make the play. We're like, forget it. So we spend like, I don't know, probably 45 minutes yep. picking up those decoys. Because there was 36 decoys we had out. Yep. We only lost one. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised which, it wasn't more. Because they all blend after a while. Like, you losing yeah. them in the waves. And uh, we decided to move in. And then we tried a spot where it was only like two foot of water. And you, because you're, you're taller, so that's how you, you <laughs> yeah. lost the, the boat. Yeah. like... The first person to try and get out of the boat and see if they are good. Yeah. And uh, he tried to, like, stand on the anchor into the sand, like, get it dug in. But that didn't work. And I was <laughs> I'm glad we didn't put out the decoys until no, we tested that yeah, first. that was a good call, for sure. And then we decided, we're like, forget it. We're going to try to go all the way into shore and just talk into the grass at shore. And then we did that. But now it's 1040, you know? <laughs> it's like, so it's, like, way too late in the day. And then uh, we got set up, and then we ended up... Uh, how many ducks did we kill? Three. Three. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, we sh I shot a fourth one, but it got away. Yeah, unfortunately. I can't believe Man, it's like anything else. Anytime I go out hunting for something, I'm just shocked at how tough and resilient you know animals can be. It was really wild. He was down, and we thought it was good. You even jumped out of the boat going after him and took off and flew low. Yeah, it was a, a redhead drake, so that was especially... You're saying you love redheads. <laughs> I, I'm a bluebill man. My girlfriend's going to listen to this. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. I'm a bluebill man myself, honey. But I, I you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we ended up shooting a few ducks and you got your first experience. Um, what did you think of, like, what did you like about duck hunting? What didn't you like? Uh, it was really cool. I liked, um, you know, the kind of the camaraderie aspect of it. You can sit around and joke and 
be loud and not worry. You know, we were sitting there telling stories at the time where we were waiting for ducks to come in. And like we talked about a little bit, you know, when you're deer hunting or turkey hunting, you can whisper and get away with talking a little bit, but it's not like, you know, being able to joke, especially with the nice cover you guys had, you know, get a little animated talking and stuff like that and get to know each other a little bit better. So that was really cool. And it, them coming in so fast. I mean, you know, it happens like that with deer and turkey hunting too. Like, oh my gosh, they're there, but not like... It's, you have, you know, 10 seconds to do the right thing, and then your shot's over, you know. It was crazy to me it's, the first time I went duck hunting, too, especially diver ducks. So for those of you that don't know, there's kind of two classes of ducks. you got your puddle ducks, which are historically, like, really good for eating. That's your mallards, your pintails, your gadwalls. Well, gadwall people make a case either way, but your gadwalls, your wood ducks, those are your good, 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 really good-tasting ducks that are puddle ducks. And then there's diver ducks. Now, the difference is, like, the diver ducks, they dive underwater to get their food, so they're eating plants from underwater, but a lot of them can tend to eat fish, and then their meat kind of picks up that flavor, so people don't like it as much, um, but it depends on, like, some eat more fish than others, and so on and so forth. Like, we just had on the podcast, actually, there's a duck called the ringneck. Um, people call them blackjacks, ringers, they're really dark, but they're a diver duck, and I had never eaten one before. But they hang out and pretty much do everything that puddle ducks do. So they tasted really, really good. And then it's like somewhat known if you like made a scale of like how good are ducks. If you look at diver ducks, it'd be like canvas backs, probably bluebills, redheads, um, ringnecks. And then there's kind of everybody else that kind of floats along in there. And, uh, We've been doing on our podcast, like eating random ducks, like that's cool. just straight up though, like not just like salt and like cooking them on the grill and yeah. seeing what that's like to see like, is it true? You know, cause like people, people be like, Oh, don't eat that. And then it's okay. Oh yeah. That happens with a lot of fish too. Yeah. That's happened with me with pretty much everything. Kind of like I told you, I kind of, you know, none of my family really hunted. So I taught myself uh, for the most part how to do it. And you know, you hear everybody talking about how disgusting venison is, how, you know, I had buddies for the longest time. I just got into turkey hunting a couple of years ago. Um, tell me how bad turkey was, and they'd rather go buy a turkey from the store. And it's like, man, I just had to try it, and, try, and now it's it's so much better. So much, even, you know, my girlfriend, who tends to be kind of a picky eater, is like, man, I would rather have that wild turkey any day of the week. So that's interesting you guys do that with the ducks. It's like, a, to me, wild game has like a cleaner flavor to it. It does. Yeah. Like when you go to a farm, like don't get me wrong, I eat cow, obviously, but like you go to a farm... Um, God forbid you go to a factory farm or something, you look at all these cows pressed in these areas and like the smell Mm -hmm. and the look and the cleanliness of the entire, you know, gamut of what's going on. And then you go up on a wild deer that you just shot and you tell me if you didn't know anything, you were an alien dropped down from the, you know, from, from Mars and, uh, you came here and had no idea which one was good and which one wasn't, you would definitely pick the deer. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and that's always been fascinating to me, but I really like. Um, some of the recipes you put together today. We're here at the studio hanging out with everyone, and we had a. Uh, I'm calling it Friendsgiving. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going back on it now. <laughs> and uh, you cooked for us, and I. I know what goes into putting together a meal like that, and it was no joke. What were the recipes like? What did you cook? What was it? I took pictures of everything, so we'll put those up while you're saying it. But this was some of the best. I mean, you make me feel like an idiot because this is, no, no, this is better than a lot of the cooking that I've done. Like this is really good stuff. Thanks man. I appreciate it. It's um, <clears throat> skill I've been working on for a while. Um, and I've always looked forward to cooking for more than it's usually just met a couple people at a time. So yeah. It was a cool experience. Um, so we did walleye chowder 
um, walleye that was caught right here in the St. Clair River, close to us here. Um, three different kinds of wild mushrooms in there. We had hen of the woods, oyster mushrooms, and morel mushrooms. Um, so that was the soup that we did. We did. Um, it was good. Yeah, it was. It was, it was pretty good. Tell everybody where you um, got those morels. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, you try. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know better than that. Yeah, I get my onyx out. <laughs> yeah, right. Give me a pin here. Yeah. Um, we did some venison pastrami, which was pretty cool. I do. Um, I have a venison, uh, corned venison recipe. So it's basically corned venison that you take and you roll it in some seasonings and you smoke it. Um, yeah. I, here's the thing though, with corned beef typically, because that's like what most people are used to. I don't know, man. I thought the corned venison was better. I hate when you get like a fatty piece yeah. of corned beef, like mm, where you're yeah. like picking around the fat and stuff. Yep. That was, I mean, it was just straight good quality protein, but you also made sure it was tender. Yeah. Yep. So that's and what, you don't shoot um, anything less than 140. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. That's a funny. Uh, joke. That's a funny guys. Joke. That's a joke about yeah. giant deer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I've never. Even seen. <laughs> there you go. Um. <laughs> So yeah, that's just corned venison. I actually rolled it in some um, some whiskey from our friends at Gypsy Vodka. You're supposed to use a little bit of alcohol to get the the seasoning to stick. So we did that. That's um, why I've been walking funny since. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> My uh, first drink, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, we did some. Uh, turkey thighs wrapped in bacon, um, turkey bites. Uh, it was my first time trying that recipe. I was pretty happy with how they turned out. You, normally with turkey legs, I slow cook them, um, similar to the way we did the venison shanks that we had today. That's what I do with my turkey legs is I yep. slow cook them and then let all the meat drop off away exactly. from all the tenons. And a lot of people don't know too is like you get a turkey drumstick for like I did it. Every I think maybe everyone's I've tried done it. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you're like I'm gonna do what they do, you know, with <laughs> yeah. those big turkey drumsticks and the thing. And you do it and you bite into it. It's nothing but tendons and no, ligaments, it's, and it's uh, just like. I tried it once. I even brined that for like three or four days with the turkey matter. legs. And yep, I made one for me and one for my girlfriend. And guess who ate two of them? Yeah. <laughs> and who ate leftovers out of the fridge? Um, you're like you're like going to going to the bathroom after like passing bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's brutal. <laughs> there goes a ligament. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then we did the venison shank. Similar, you know, you sear them and then. Um, I cooked those in some stock that I made actually from venison bones. A couple of years ago, I started saving all my venison bones and making my own stock out of those. What so. bones do you save when you save venison bones? Just basically all the leg bones. Okay. Um, pretty much anything that comes off of either the, the back leg or the front leg. And then, you know, you roast them at 400 degrees for about an hour and cut them in half and just What's cook them the down. smell like when you do that? Is it bad? Not at all. It's wonderful. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's, um, I was curious because, like, you boil a deer skull right, in order to make yeah, your that's You learn a lesson. Oh, in the yeah, house. that's real gnarly. <laughs> My mom let me do that one time. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and that's so. Um, I just cook those down with a bunch of vegetables and, and make that stock. Um, we pretty much have that around year round. And so, what is, what like is the process of making that stock, though? Because that's something I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And, man, you know, once I realized I was throwing away something so good, I've saved them ever since. Um, you just keep those bones, you know obviously pop them off from the joint so they're just on their own and I usually end up freezing them, freezing them all up. Uh, you roast them, cover them in oil and kosher salt and roast them at 400 for about an hour. And then, um, like I said, most of the time I cut them in half. Um, what does the salt do? It just adds flavor. It's like anything else. It's like those venison shanks. Um, I always coat them really good in salt and pepper before I sear them. You know, it just browns the meat and it seals on that flavor a little bit better. Okay. And you know, all that salt gets cooked off into the stock anyway. Yeah. That's why I was curious. Yeah, like, but it's not like the shanks are overly salty. Like I salt them liberally before I sear them just to kind of seal in some of that, that good flavor and then everything from the outside cooks off. Um, but yeah, you just roast those bones and then you put them in a, a big pot and 
you pour cold water on them because on um, the cold water releases the collagen from the warm bones. So that's a big part of it too. That collagen gets into the broth and makes it rich and gives it that, you know, that shimmer on top. You know, you made a good one when you, when, when you get that good shimmer. Um, okay. Yeah. But then onions, uh, celery, carrots, and garlic. You just leave the peel on the onions and the garlic, throw it all in there. It's all good. Uh, and then you strain it through some cheesecloth and put it in the fridge for a night. And you will know it's really good because when you pull it out of there, it's like, it's like jello. Like it's, okay. it's, it is almost solid, you know, and all the, all the fat and all the, you know, any gross stuff that wasn't, wasn't, um, filtered out with a cheesecloth, you just scoop off the top and throw it away. And then we freeze the rest into little, like one, one cup jars so we can use it for, for okay. recipes and stuff like that. Well, how would you describe the flavor of it then? It's amazing, man. It's better. Honestly, it's better than any of the bouillon or anything you buy. It's, uh, it's great when we're sick. We'll just, I'll just drink a cup of it uh, like twice a day for, you know, really? a couple days and it is like. It's like nature's best medicine, especially with that garlic and the onion and all that stuff in there. It's it's great. Good for you. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always been fascinated with like marrow and stock and like that's like a level of learning I didn't have. Like my dog always got the bones. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's what a lot of people do. And that's, you know, more power to you just for, you know, we try, I try my best. Obviously, I don't save, I would like to get into saving the pelts and the hooves and stuff. I don't save any of that right now, but I try my best to take anything that I could actually use and enjoy you know? the pellets are interesting too you know you got to involve somebody else at that point if you're getting them tanned and stuff yeah and you know we live in an apartment in port here on so it's not like i've got a place where i can put out a, put yeah out like a all over the walls get looked at yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no i get it i get it i yeah. i i was also fascinated with the um the walleye the soup i would equate your walleye chowder to more of a potato soup with fish in it um that's like yeah. the vibe that's like the flavor like it was very potatoey, yep. Um, which I really liked. Um, you forage for mushrooms and stuff like that. Obviously, you mm -hmm. got all three of those, and you said you'd send me the spots. But uh, <laughs> sure, I did. Uh, you also, <laughs> nice <try. laughs> sure, I did. Nice try again. I took you duck hunting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't think I'd come knocking. <laughs> um, but another thing that I found really fascinating is the chicken of the woods. Yeah. Yeah, the texture of that mushroom, it's a really unique one. Um, super easy to spot in the wild, and there's no lookalikes really like that one either. That's so good. You'll know it. Yeah. yeah, there's like about five or six of them, maybe even ten in Michigan, where you can pick them and pretty much know what you're getting. Um, but that one's really unique because it's not just everybody says, well, that tasted like chicken. You know, that's such a burnout cliche as far as that goes. But that one, it really, when you cook it right, it tastes like chicken, but the texture of the mushroom itself, it pulls apart. Like you're pulling apart. It's meaty. It, it's pretty cool. Like a very, very, very tender chicken. Yep, exactly. Like you it know, literally, like I said, it pulls apart. It's if chicken and calamari had a yeah. baby, <laughs> but like yeah. the chicken had more dominating genes. Yeah, right? yep, yep. You know, exactly. like you got a little yeah. bit more. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and those are cool mushrooms because you can find them in like abundance like that. Um, you know, I cooked up a whole bunch enough for what nine people here, and um, that was maybe a quarter of what I harvested off of that. The flavor Flush. was very chickeny. Is that because of how you cooked it, or is that like, I mean, the name I get? But. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it is, it is part. Of it. it has you know a, a chicken-like flavor a little bit. Um, I cooked it with you know cooking sherry, shallots, and, and garlic and salt and pepper. So, I mean, pretty much you know how you would cook chicken. For, we'll do it that way a lot, and then put it in like an alfredo instead of using chicken. The 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 pulled venison was my favorite of awesome. all the things. Good to know. And we did have the Rufus Teague uh, barbecue That's sauce right. to go on top of it, but. I, it's so funny to me now is like we talk about it. AJ talks about it all the time on the podcast too. It's like we go to different places and we try different wild game from different people and we've had all these like bad 
experiences where it like sucks and like you don't know how to tell them but it's like they ruined the meat because yeah they didn't know how to clean it they didn't they didn't gut it fast enough they let they drove around town for 12 hours showing everyone their deer with the gut still in it they yeah. they, they you know <laughs> yeah. let the meat warm up they didn't cool it down fast enough yeah um they didn't cut off the the sinew they didn't cut off the fat they didn't you know get rid of the silver skin they didn't cut cross grain you know there's a lot of ways that yeah. you can jack it up and people seem to be uh, goal oriented to pull that off. So we've run into a lot of yeah, like bad oh, experiences, and to know that you didn't grow up around it, like your mom and dad weren't like. Yeah. You know, I got lucky enough that I had my dad. He deer hunted and bluegill fished, so yeah. I got really good at those two things. Yeah, right. The rest of it, kind of like duck hunting, I had to figure out. But um, your recipes are just out of this world. Like, Thanks, there's not man. a hint of what someone would say game flavor. Yeah, and that's actually that's the amazing thing about the shanks. For years, I you know spent an extra hour per year that I was cleaning up. You know, because I'm pretty picky about getting all that silver skin and sinew off there, just to get you know maybe maybe a, a pound or two of extra ground, depending on the size of the deer, out of those shanks. But that's the beauty of those shanks, because all that collagen, all that nasty stuff that people try to get out, is actually what makes that recipe so good. You know, because you sear those shanks really hot and get them brown on both sides tell, like pe- said, tell but, people which part is the shank so they know um the shank is like the bottom part of the leg on each leg so it's like kind of the calf yep exactly yeah. yep and that's just full for anybody who deer hunts knows that that's yeah, full like, of sinew and if you were to if you were to like cut the calf or or the the shank off you'd have like a tube and it'd be like a surprisingly tough texture on the outside where you'd be like it's kind of waxy almost and this tube like narrows out at each end where it connects and in that tube, if you were to like cut it across the middle like you would a sausage and open it up, you would see like meat like fingers surrounded by like white sinew around each finger. Like so a... tough it's hard to cut through even the sharpest knife, you know. Right. It's so tough it's crazy. Yeah, you use like one of those razor blade knives to get through there. So you leave all that together yep. like that. Yep. And that's what makes it taste so good because the, all those little bits, you know, you have to cook it for I cooked that. Oh, well overnight and into the morning. I had to cook it until I left to come here. And um, one more time, just so they got their calf muscle cut yeah. off. That Now, what's the next step? Um, so you take those, you know, always make sure you blot your stuff dry before you sear it. Because if it's wet, when you sear it, it'll end up steaming the meat, which you don't want. Um, so you blot it really dry. Get a nice um, like cast iron pan going really hot with some oil. With that outside cover still on. Yep, everything's still on. I mean, it's literally just how I, you know, right after skinning it, and that's what I was left with. And then you sear it on each side till you get a nice brown brown on each side of it. And then, you you know, I'll put it with some onions and garlic that I browned up in that same pan and do a slow cooker. And then I use my venison stock, which I make, and fill it up so it's barely covering it. And then you just put it on, I put it on high for a couple hours and I'll switch it to low until I'm, I'm ready to eat it. And I mean, you, I, you, it's like you said with the turkey, you just grab that bone and the bone just comes right out and it's all... And all those tubes and stuff that were there? It's totally gone. What you guys ate today was all of that. I didn't pull out any little bit of anything other than the bone. I would equate it to some of the bad, like I would say, you then took it to the grill and seared it all. Yeah, so that's what I'll do before I make the sandwiches, just because when you pull it right out of the brine, or out of the uh, broth rather, you know, it's kind of wet and stuff. So that just kind of, again, browns the meat a little bit, seals a little more of that flavor. I'll add in some salt and pepper, and I used uh, the ramp butter that I made and Put a big chunk of that ramp butter on the blackstone. What's ramp butter? Mixed it up. Um, so ramps are like they, they're like leeks, wild wild green onions. Okay. And we go out and we have a couple places where they grow um, in abundance, and it's one of those things for people. another onyx thing. Yeah. Yeah. For people who forage, like talk about people coming after you, giving away spots. Um, 
the leeks themselves, it takes them seven years to grow to something that you can use. So people will go nuts. It's like a big thing online yeah. with the foragers. Like, you I don't can't see believe you pulled the bulbs out. You're a monster, you know. <laughs> but it, it's crazy. I mean, you know better than probably anybody. Yeah. But, um, Not a lot of 85-year-olds planting them, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you you know, you just harvest them. You know, you just got to be you got to be good about it. I take, a, a, you know, one or two out of each little patch and leave the rest to grow and spread out. But, um, yeah, so it's like a wild onion, basically. And we put them in a, in a food processor with a bunch of butter, a little bit of lemon juice, and some salt. And we, you know, I usually have two or three bricks about this size that I keep in the freezer for special recipes and stuff like that. Like when the Green Bay Outdoors team is coming. That's right. Yep. That's freaking awesome. So then, yeah. I mean, you seared it on all sides. It gave the meat a nice little, some of them like kind of that burnt ends yeah. type, you know, sear yeah. to them, which is like interesting because when you think venison, when you talk to people, you're like, if you overcook it, it's going to pick up a game flavor. It tastes bad. Yep. Because there's no fat to like buffer it. It's just straight protein. Like, if you've ever burned your hair, it reeks. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm not picking on you specifically. I just, <laughs> the hair is, well, look at the hair. Is well. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's burned a few hairs. I just I thought maybe it's something you'd run into. But but it, it smells awful. Um, and it's because you're burning protein. And a lot of times when you have, you know, burnt venison or burnt ends or something like that, when Jessica, but like, there was not one single solitary piece of game flavor in your meat. Like right. it was just great. Awesome. Thank you. So Thank you. I mean, I I don't want to say I, that might have been one of my favorite venison recipes. Like awesome. I'd eat that daily. Awesome. Like, and yeah, I don't know who you. wouldn't. Um, and that just goes to show you that's like the preparation that you went yep. through and obviously the time you took to do it. Um, we were talking over over lunch, and I will get some of you guys to weigh in on this too. But um, you're working with Penn State on an interesting project right now. Yeah, so um, I do a lot of foraging, not just for food, but also I've gotten into the past couple of years foraging for medicine, a couple of different plants that we used. Um, you know, we I try to live as naturally as possible, and there's, you know, they, you, they can only go to a certain extent, but ghost pipes are what we were talking about. And um, it's this amazing little plant. It, glows, it, it grows without the use of any chlorophyll, which makes it uh, very unique. It has a symbiotic relationship with fungus that grows on certain tree roots. Okay. So it takes its nutrients from the fungus that grows on those tree roots. And that's how it grows. Um, and it's been used for a long time, starting with the Native Americans, for anxiety and, like, panic attacks. Um, some of them used it for pain. Some of them used it for, like, a, a cold medicine. Um, it has a lot of different uses. And it's something we started using for anxiety, panic attacks with, you know, some of my, my family members. Um, my mom actually has fibromyalgia, and it's amazing. I gave it to her. She was at her wit's end wanting to try pretty much anything she could. So I gave her some of that, and within about a month and a half, I think, she called me pretty much in tears about how much it changed her, um, changed her life. It was, it was pretty wild. And that's when I really got into researching it. Um, a little bit more and I, I saw somebody at Penn State was doing a study her name's Savannah and um, I reached out and said hey you know I got some pretty interesting stories we've been using this for years and she ended up sending me this big huge kit and a, a styrofoam container with some ice packs and little vials and stuff like that for me to take samples and I went into the woods and at my mom's where they grow all over the place and you know we measured trees and took soil samples and set them in and She's trying to figure out what the active ingredients are in it that help people so much because people have been using it, like I said, since the Native Americans, since before, you know, the white man was even here. And uh, it really um, is an amazing medicine, but nobody knew why it worked. The, the, the latest research that they had on it, I think, was from like 1895. 
And wow. Then, yeah, that was the last time that a scientist actually sat down and tried to figure it out. And obviously we've made a lot of strides in, in science and medicine. So um, she's one of the first people to really seriously, uh, you know, research it and look it up. That's, su cool. that's super interesting. And I know if anyone's comfortable with it, have any of you taken it or seen any effects of it or anything like that? Yeah, I have, uh, I have frequent anxiety and panic attacks and stuff. And like just two days ago, I was having a panic attack for no reason. Took like half a dropper of that and let it steep under my tongue for like maybe just like 30 seconds. And it was literally like my shoulders just melted all the way back down and my chest loosened up and it was just like... It's almost an instant reaction. It's not like where you like take like when you take like a pill or something like that. It's like I have to wait for it to kick in 30, 30 seconds, a minute, six minutes before you feel better or whatever. This is an instant reaction that happens where your body just goes and resets. What's interesting about it to me is like I don't really suffer from anxiety, but I'm always like I always ask people like deeper questions when they say that they have it or whatever. It's like, what is it? And then I'm like, well, maybe I have had it. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe I just never knew what that was when I couldn't sleep. Uh, but when I talk to people about this specifically, and like as you're talking about everyone trying it, having these same effects like you are, it's like what well, it hasn't been studied since 1895. And like when you started finding it and stuff, and people are trying it, it's like no one's like leading you to believe. Like you're not being prescribed by a doctor that this will fix this. It's right. like Caleb has this thing that might help you. You know what I mean? And for people that like feel it. It kind of takes away the likelihood of placebo because yep. it's not like a doctor saying here, uh, which is interesting to me that it just seems like it's helping so much. And, you know, just like we haven't discovered so many things about this world. We only use like a fraction of what our brain is capable of. We know nothing about our oceans. It's like all the different things that we could get into. Um, I was actually I listened to something the other day where they were talking to about the space around us that like as far as we can see into space. It would be like if you took all of the oceans on the planet Earth with as far as we could go, we've only scooped a 12-ounce glass of water of like what we've looked into so oh, far. Wow. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah and it's like it's just so much vastness and so much going on that like these sorts of things like where it really helped you is just interesting to me. It's like no one knows about it yet. You better, you know what's going to happen now though. You're going to get a lot of people messaging you. <laughs> yeah. about this stuff. You better come up with like um, – and I won't charge you much, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you're gonna want to come up with uh, like a, a branding, and I don't know what the rules are because like you you not... yeah people do sell it online actually you can buy it on like Etsy shops and stuff. Um, well, we gotta make you an Etsy shop. Yeah, hey man, I'm all about <laughs> we'll it. We'll have our um, own gasoline gypsies brands of ghost pipes. <laughs> I even like the name. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah, you should look you look at the plant whenever you get a second. I mean, because it looks like a pipe. It's white, pure white. It's a weird looking little thing. And it looks like a pipe, and it's really strange because I, you know, you you cut the plant and you put it into like the highest grain alcohol you can get, basically. So we can only get 151 here in Michigan. So you put it in this 151, and within 10 minutes, it goes from this white translucent plant to the liquid being so dark purple that you can't even see through the glass jar. Really? It's really wild. So when yeah. people take this, is there alcohol in it then? Yes, there is alcohol in it. Yeah. It tastes pretty awful. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. It yeah like but it's, it's, it's... It's certainly not... I've had mouthwash. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, that, yeah. It's yeah. alcohol to give you any sort of reaction from the alcohol itself. The alcohol, it, you know, it, so just, like a, it dissolves the... 
whatever those active components are, and it, it kind of breaks them down and releases them. Yeah. Out. Don't use rubbing alcohol, though. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Man, he was way off. I don't feel good at all. <laughs> Do not take rubbing alcohol and put it in your body. You went. As, you, you're talking about it with your about your mom and how like she had knots in her legs that were so painful. Yep. And they're they're gone now. Yeah, like it was it's... like 75, 80% of her knots in her legs because they use it. So it's used for anxiety and, um, like I said, like pa- severe anxiety, panic attacks. Um, actually, they found closely related to trauma in your past. And also it's used for nerve pain. Um, and who knows what will continue to be found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, um, Savannah and I talked for, it was supposed to be a 30-minute Zoom conversation before she decided if I was serious enough to send me this stuff. She'd um, probably get some wackos. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, putting it out on, on Facebook or social media. But um, we talked for like an hour and a half, and she had, she was like, you know, the season's over. It's like, well, it's not. It's out of my mom's property. They're everywhere. I sent her some pictures, and she sent me the kit, and I sent it back. So I'm very curious to see uh, what she comes up with about the active ingredients. So the knots, what are the knots? Yeah, it's just like knots, like normal, like, you know, like the knots in your back. That you okay, get, that yeah. That sort of thing. But, you know, with people with fibromyalgia, they can get to the, you know, they're never, they feel like they're never going to go away. And it's so bad, you have a hard time walking and getting around and stuff like that. And There's a, a woman, her name's Jackie. And matter of fact, she likes your guys' music, but she might be the only one at the premiere party that didn't get to fully enjoy it because she happened to be sitting up against the speaker on the right side. Not the other one, but the right side. <laughs> uh, I thought so. She's probably, de- she's probably a little deaf. I'll speak into the mic so she can hear me. But uh, Jackie is like, she's a, uh, uh, I, I, I don't even want to say, because I know that if you say, I think you're supposed to say massage therapist, but if you say, like, it can be offensive. She's the greatest human being at doing this ever. <laughs> her name's Jackie McDonald, and you can find her on Facebook, and I'd, I'll put her website in the thing too. If you happen to be in Michigan, she's incredible. But she is like, I'll be like, yeah, I have like a really bad knot right here, and she'll be like, and then that will release. Yeah, like she wild. knows all about Whoa, it. Yeah. But she's really into that stuff too, and I, I wonder, I wonder, ghost pipes if she if she added that to her repertoire because she's. Absolutely incredible, but there's so much science to it that we still don't understand the body that well. And she's just so in tune. Like, you can lay down and not tell her what's wrong, and she'll feel all over and be like, this hurts, this hurts, and this hurts. And you're like, yep. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, any other time I've gone there, like, using their elbow and stuff, yeah, right. and they don't know what they're doing, and you're just hurt more that you went there in the first place, and you're on a vacation, <laughs> yeah, but oh, now yeah. it's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you've uh, maybe like gone through it. <laughs> I'm here to vent. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing with those ghost pipes, that all that research and every, everything everybody says about them comes from that that research that that guy did in the late 1800s, and um, they say there's a chemical. His his reports stated that there was a chemical in there that can be bad for you if taken in large doses. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying I know. It's rubbing about alcohol, it, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, all the research that it's um, the shine no, I'm that just I've read from now, all the new stuff, they've pretty much proven that. Um, you know, that doesn't seem to be a factor. And my, my mom takes it every single day in the morning and at night. It's, oh, it's wow. Zero adverse um, effects. Again, I'm not a scientist. It helps I don't with her know for sure. Legs, but yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm always, I tend to be skeptical too. Oh, you should. The, you the, always should be. Yeah. yeah like when, when people say, like, too, is like, uh, the marijuana talk is like, yep, cures cancer, yeah. stops car accidents, you know, it's like, 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 like d- d- you know, deals with global warming. Like, I'm like, all right, come on. It's still, it's still weed, you know, but people like, they'll sell you that it'll save your life yeah, in 30 yeah. different ways. I've never, I've never had a drug or alcohol, so I'm uh, not super educated on the stuff, but I'm always fascinated by like, 
what plants and stuff actually can help us. And I, I do think God put everything here for us to be able to take care of ourselves sure. naturally. So I lean towards excited about it, but skeptical. Sure. But I'm excited to see how that research goes. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. Too. It's it's cool, man. You know, like I, I've seen your mom a lot. We've known each other for almost 20 years. But in the last year, I've, I've seen her out and about more than I think I have since we were yeah, younger. It, it's it, cool, man. It literally, it has turned her life around. And it's that, so cool. She says all the time, it could be a placebo. I don't care. I'm so glad, too, that it's like Penn State, not like OCC or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you, like got the, you got the real deal on, <laughs> yeah, on, on right. the side of it. Yep. The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Savage Arms, better comes standard. Nosler Ammunition, world's finest bullets, ammunition, and brass. Boss Shot Shells. Superior made and American made. Carlson's Choke Tubes, the only choke tube we've ever purchased. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand. If you want to be here, it all starts here. At Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, we have the widest selection of the quality brands you love to get you outdoors. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, our friendly, knowledgeable outfitters will help you find the right products for your next trip. Shop with confidence with our low price guarantee. Plus, club members save even more on great gear with exclusive member pricing. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, voted America's best outdoor retailer. season there's a ram legends aren't born they're created introducing impulse from savage the all-new american-made straight pull bolt-action rifle unmatched innovation fast reloads maximized efficiency repeatable accuracy Welcome to American Straight Pole. Only from Savage. Now that we've dug in a little bit on, you know, your background in hunting and fishing, I want to get a little bit more into the band because that's what this is supposed to be about. Because a lot of our viewers, like I said, got to see you guys on our History Channel show, even though you guys haven't seen all the episodes yet, but I'll let that go. Uh, but uh, but they really dug it, and they got, they got into your guys' music, and you guys said that you were seeing an uptick in people, you know, engaging with you, uh, after the show. So for those people, tell us a little bit about your origin story, your guys' background, how you guys got started, all that stuff. Started with the boys with you two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what the heck. Was. <laughs> uh, so. Nothing but boys here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, pointed. So, uh, me and Steve started playing together pretty much since I started playing music um 
Steve and I have been playing together. He, I think, was playing for a couple of years before that, but um, only a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, we started a little band called SLR, and we won't go into what that means on your podcast. But um, it's the dumbest band yeah, name ever. So it was, uh, you know, how we got our start. And I made a question. We so. both <laughs> we both played guitar, and um, I was doing a lot of the songwriting. So I booted Steve over to bass. You did uh, not boot me <laughs> over know, to bass, <laughs> but you did have a bass. No, so, yeah. <laughs> Steve figured out how to play it really quick. Um, so yeah, we were a three piece, and that was our you know our high school band. You know, figuring out. No, we were a four piece. We had what we wanted. Jay Edwards. Oh yeah, we we were four. Yep, you guys yep. ever play at the school? Yeah, we, did, we did. Yeah, we the big the big battle of the bands, man. Oh my god, did you guys introduce yourself as the Pinheads? Has <laughs> <laughs> no, no, anyone? Did. You guys get that joke? Please, somebody get it. Not sure. Sorry, man. Dang, AJ and Ryan Sorry, were in here. AJ would have got it. It's from Back to the Future One. When when it, Marty McFly's trying out to be yeah. uh, oh, their band right. is trying out yeah. the battle of bands to be the band for the school dance and he like comes up he's like yeah we're the pinheads and then they do it and Mr Strickland doesn't like them and he says you're afraid you're just too darn loud you guys are a rough crowd but if you seen if you seen Back to the Future you you anyhow That's go ahead <laughs> so yeah me getting wordy even for a podcast I get it yeah so so me and Caleb met right out of high school he was in high school i was just out of high school and and yeah we formed our first band we did that battle of the bands and that's when i was hooked man we played that battle of the bands to yeah. like the whole high school it was terrifying but people cheered for us yeah. and it was like doing? whoa we lost to um our rival band how many how many how many bands were in it there's several, man. Yeah, there's there's several. like half a dozen, I think, something like that. Yeah, you guys finished second. Yeah, we yep. lost to our rival band, and it was the big, the big stink at the high school. Who uh, is the rival band? Uh, oh. Rule of Thumb was. And the where are they band. now? Yeah, it is. Um, it's a pretty good name. So they actually, you know, better that, than SL. SLR. So both the funny story is both bands broke up, Rule of Thumb and SLR, and we kind of merged. We picked up the drummer from that band. He became. One of our best friends, um, he lives in Nashville now. Um, We're just hanging out with him. Yeah, still, yeah. still, still. A few weeks back, one of my very best friends who lives out there. Okay. And, um, that's when we started the Gasoline Gypsies. Was you know I think I was nineteen or twenty or something, um, and we started kicking around all over Michigan in a little beat up you know Ford. Jason's yeah. Jason's a Conline van yeah. that he got for seven hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> seven hundred bucks. Beat, that's a... beat the heck out of that thing. Drove all over. <laughs> Sounds the place like it had and... been beat. No oh, man. Yeah, it was. It was rough, but it was. It was uh, sweet. Lawn chairs in the back, no back seats. It was awesome, man. Lawn chairs. <laughs> Some <laughs> of the best times ever. Yep. And uh, that's like Steve kind of said. That's when we got hooked on traveling around and playing music. Yeah. It was just like, it was. A, it was the coolest time, man. It was. The it's, best. it's funny how like the sucky times, when you look back in them, everyone says it. It sucks. You know, but then you look back and you're like, that was actually pretty fun. Yeah, it was like, cool, man. Was I, cool, I always man. say if I could go back in time and tell myself, there was, a, there was a point in time where Ryan and I were in a tree stand when Ryan first started. And him and I were in a tree stand pig hunting. And uh, ironically, Ryan, the other night, you, Ryan's behind the camera right now. Uh, but <laughs> he's doing a little <laughs> zoomy to let you know he's there. <clears throat> but we downloaded, because we didn't, we had this like app we had to download to connect to this pig call. And it sounds like pigs going like it like really ramps up, dude. On Halloween night, I was packing up my truck, getting ready to leave my parents, and it was like pitch black and kind of raining and really dark. 
and somehow that app got opened up on my phone. Oh, and I was like God. looking around me like frantically trying to figure out where the hell it was coming from. But my but it so that was the last time it had been opened up was like seven years ago. But it just the app kept carrying over on every phone I have. But Ryan and I were sitting up in that tree stand and like he had just started. It was like uh, I think only a second time filming with us. And we were talking about like the goals and like what we wanted to accomplish and what we we're going to do. And I now that we're like doing it, I wish I could go back in time and tell those two kids sitting in that tree stand and be like, hey, enjoy yourself because it will end up working out. Absolutely. The problem is you're always yeah. scared while you're doing it that I just wish I could have known it was going to work out. But then at the same point when you're like, you wouldn't have succeeded unless you knew it was going to work because right. you wouldn't have put it all in to make it happen. So I just I, for anyone out there that's like going through it or working towards something or anything like that, there's like there's something to settling in knowing it's going to happen. Obviously, you can't know that for sure, but telling yourself that it's going to happen so that you can enjoy the the Absolutely. lawn chairs in the back of the car <laughs> and the sitting up in the tree stand with 82 bucks to your name and the company and you still got to get home from Texas and you're with like sketch people. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, we, had, we, we had some nights like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Still Texas. Dude. <laughs> Texarkana, yeah. buddy. Oh, <laughs> I want to hear the Texarkana story right well, now. We were just there. It's 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 a pretty short story. We just stopped in Texarkana for Where? the night. Um, we camp in a lot of Walmart I, parking lots. I can't. I can't remember exactly like where. Asking for it in a Walmart it parking a lot. It was a Motel Six in Texarkana. There's two sides. And there's two sides of Texarkana. We weren't in Texas. Oh, and dude, all right. So we pull in, man, and it's like dusk, and uh, it's one of those motels where like the doors open right to the outside, and there's two there's two uh, floors, and there's a balcony up top. The whole hotel, like, just people are like opening up the doors and just peeking out. Yeah, everybody was just like looking at us, and you know, we've got a trailer filled with probably you know ten grand worth of gear, if not more, and it was just like. We're gonna get robbed, man. I tonight? like Yeah, tonight. It's happening tonight. I couldn't sleep that night because for exactly that reason, man, cars were zooming in and out of there all night. People were yelling and partying all night. I'm like, man. It's a Tuesday, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 like it was it was it was a week. What the hell are you guys up to? Tuesday. It was wild. Off. But yeah, we've we've had our experiences out there <laughs> yeah I, I, t we were just in texarkana and there's like a clear divide between there's like a wealthy side of texarkana oh, sure. and oh, there's God. like and there's <laughs> another side of texarkana oh, yeah, yeah, so we had breakfast in the bad one every day though we had found this restaurant that we really liked and we ate there every day there was um hotel eights on the it was three doors down from the prison, so anyone who's looking, <laughs> they had great pancakes. Actually, they didn't bring us our food the one day. They refused. Oh. Yeah, they, they like they they really messed over somebody. I know I got screwed one day. I assume it's Ryan. Ryan always gets the, for whatever reason, we can go to any restaurant in the world and they won't bring me a refill. Do you guys see how I brought my own drink? I couldn't trust you because I can't trust I can't trust anyone. We'll go to we in the last fifty restaurants, forty two of them refused to bring me a refill. Like I'm not in the refill club. I got something. You on know, me. Caleb. Uh, we you know we eat out a lot too, and and it, Caleb's like I'm the hangriest hard. damn person, and he's always the last You're person hangry? to get his. Oh, dude, he's the worst. And uh, Caleb is always the last person to get his plate when he's the hungriest human <laughs> and the angriest <laughs> human. Well. Oh God! I <laughs> go down that road. Yeah, that was a fun next, night. Uh, the next person. What's a hangry Caleb like? Oh, oh he's a uh, grumbly. I have gotten a lot better. 
No, he has. Silent. I'll give he's him that. Silent. Oh, he's just. Stare- you know, he's, he's mad just because he's not. You better just you. not say anything yeah, to him. Exactly. <laughs> when I get angry, I've learned to just keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to be the biggest. Whatever the world. They never, and now they just get angry at me when I don't say anything. So it's like, I don't know what you talk with your eyes. Something it's happens, and you're, you're like, <laughs> suck it up. Anyway, the, uh, <laughs> there it is. He's a little hungry now. Yep. So their old drummer left, and I was uh, 20. Uh, I was almost 21. Okay. No, it was like a year, whatever, who knows. Just turned 20 and um, heard they needed a drummer through a friend of a friend. We were looking for if there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I went to open mic one night and met them. They told me to come out audition. And you he went didn't? outside or you something. You couldn't tell? Look at that guy. You didn't know he was a winner? <laughs> Come on. Oh, okay. I was a baby. I was a little baby. Yeah. But, yeah, you went outside or something, and me and Steve kicked into Zeppelin, and we went through, like, half a day's to Confused, and Steve was like, you're in the band. He like, flipped me out. He played every John Bonham drum lick note for note, and I was like, well, okay. And I guess that's a thing now. You're here. <laughs> it's, a, it's I assume, like, how much – give me percents. And we'll have each of you talking to the mic one at a time. Give me a percent of how important it is that you like the person compared to their skill. Oh. So the first percent is like, second percent of skill. Let's keep it to a hundred percent. You know, what would what what, like as far as like if you're bringing somebody on the band? Because for us, it's like ninety ten. We'll teach you anything you need to know, but you got to not suck. You know. <laughs> well, it. I mean, I always say we got really lucky with this group right here we're we're i've been in here 10 years now and we're all still friends we argue really well when we get into business stuff with the band we to always talk it through and i think when anyone asks me you know about the band or anything i was like man we we're really good musicians it's really good that we're all g- good guys too like that's a really really important part about right. it right so give me the split top percent is wow. importance of personality. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, and what would you put it? Like 60, 40, 70, 30? Let's do like 60, 40 or something. Because even if you got that work ethic, we'll still help you along and show you. And yeah, like, yeah. you just got to want be willing to work with us. You what, know? What, what's your percent? I think it's about, I'm 60, 40 or 70, 30. Like, I couldn't sing for garbage when I got into this band. Like, I had zero singing experience when I got into here. And I just kind of was like... All right, I'm gonna learn because every time I try to learn something, I always do trial by fire. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go suck at it in front of people, and then I'm never gonna want to do that again, and that's gonna motivate me to practice. <laughs> that'll 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 do it. How, like, how, what do you bring to the band personally? Like, what do you think you bring to the band? I think I just I, I bring uh kind of like the arrangement side of things is where I really feel like. I shine like I've studied music theory pretty intensely over the years, so I feel like I can kind of like take like a skeleton of a song and really kind of like, I kind of look at my instrument like a puzzle piece where I'm like, all right, here's all of the chords. How can I take this and turn it into something that's tells a story, but still isn't just like four chords. Like how can I take these four chords and speak something across the entire instrument? You're really good at making interesting little, little, yeah, whale sounds. <laughs> no, seriously though, like you just you you add flavor to the song. I am that... good at the whale sounds. I will admit this. <laughs> so so when you look at a piece of music, and I'm ignorant to this, right? I know video editing with my team, how we look and perceive a scene, and what it should look like, and what it should feel like, and the emotion to go with it, the music to go with it. And it kind of sounds like you're doing something similar, where you're like looking at 
the music and you're like, what's missing? Yeah. And you kind of like. I, I think my big thing is like, I'm always trying to like create something that I think the balance there is you have to try to find something that stays interesting without stepping on everything else. Like obviously our band is very like lyrically driven and stuff like that. So it's like, you don't want to step over what Caleb's saying with his words and stuff like that, but you still want your part to be interesting. So I think a lot of it is just like, finding your place in in the mix and serving the song while still creating something that you're happy with creative to creatively right okay i think with yours you bring the beard game to it but in addition to that obviously with beard game is strong yeah 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 and now that they've all grown back after you singed them they're, 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 he's like he's been in some fire that no one knows about um we know about it without the <laughs> we know about it we um Without the drums, though, I mean, there is no beat, right? So, For sure, the groove. I mean, and a lot with Neil, too. Like, Neil's great at putting those little creative parts together, and I feel like I'm the one sitting back going like, hey, Neil, let's try this. Let's try this. And he'll be like, ooh, like this. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And kind of mess around a lot with diff- – even when me and you are just messing around with nothing. And it's like, ooh, we'll play for like 15 minutes and then stop and be like, that was really, really cool. Right. Let's let's show that to Caleb. And he's like, no, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, just eat something and you'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Just, um, you know, those little finer details and, you know, they all started, the harmonies are a big thing in our band. So I had to like bring the drums back. I don't need to play like Neil Peart. And then we got a keyboard player. I'm like, all right, bring them back. So it's like, all right, how, simple can i make this song and still keep that nice driving groove sure you know sure okay i like it it'd be kind of a funny thing to ask you but what do you bring to the gasoline gypsy scale <laughs> nothing attitude <laughs> apparently just a hangry hangry fits yeah. that's what they get from me and some decent mushrooms you can find <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh yeah and good food <laughs> yeah um, so i do like the at least the majority of the songwriting as far as you know the basic chord structures and the the lyrics the lyrics are you know if anything else like i feel like i could work at being the best guitar player for my entire life and i still wouldn't even get close but lyrically that's that's the thing that i know that i can do okay well you know so lyrics lyrics are the, are the biggest thing that i bring in you know the basic song structure as far as you know the music aspect of it um do you do you as the the lyric writer, and this is actually kind of a question for anyone that wants to pipe in too. I struggle to watch outdoor TV, right? Mm-hmm. I struggle to watch anything in our demographic and be like calm about it. Yep. Like I'm super opinionated. I'm like, Ant, I know where you screwed up there. That's a mistake. Oh, yeah. I don't like this. I don't like that. Or no, nah, you had something there and you blew it. Like I, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it jealousy. It's just like my competitive nature. Like I want to, I want to yeah, fight, you know? I have become a very, I could probably speak for a lot of us, I've become a very, pretty hardcore music snob. And it's just, you know, that's par for the course in any industry that you're especially putting your heart and soul in. If you're passionate, I think that's what happens. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, lyrically, like you said, that's, the, you know, I'm, I, I like all those genres of music, but, you know, to pick on one, if I hear, you know, Dixie Cups and Pickup Trucks rhymed one more time, I think I'm going to pull my hair out. It's a great <laughs> rhyme, though. Like, it's... um. You know, just hearing those same lines regurgitated over and over and over in literally the exact same way. Like you said, it just drives me absolutely crazy. Drives me nuts. 
that's part of the reason why I like your guys' music too is because I like the lyrics a whole bunch. It was like I, in the beginning of this podcast, I kind of broke down one of my favorite songs because I just find the depth of it so interesting. Obviously, you guys have some songs that aren't like super, super sure. deep. Yeah. Um, but do you do you find more respect for for different musicians that go deeper with their lyrics, like tell a story like mud in the water, or do you find them more like topical ones? Yeah. I mean, it, I that think, you like now. Yeah. I think it depends. It depends on the song. There's certainly a lot of like popular songs that I still really like because they, you know, they, they found the right sound they're looking for and they portrayed their emotions really well. You know, it, it like love shack. Yeah. Just like love shack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it can, it can certainly lean the other way where people try too hard to get super wordy and like try to sound too deep when they're not. Yeah. Like, That's the worst thing. Right, but it's almost oh, worse. Yeah. yeah. It's almost worse the other way. Oh. So you have to find the right, when it comes to lyrics, in my opinion, especially you have to find the right balance. And that's like what Joe was talking about was serving the song. And we've all worked very hard on this concept. It's, you know, what is the minimal amount that I can put out there? Um, as far as like, especially the amount of words that I use to portray that really strong feeling without, trying to oversell it or without, you know, just staying so poppy or so generic that it's the same thing that everybody else heard. It is a very fine balance. There's like uh, a few lines that like most hunting and fishing shows say where they try to get some sort of emotion out of it, but like the rest of the context and the story doesn't build up to it properly. Mm. So it comes off like really strange, Yeah. but also it's like a talking head of, as you said, pickup trucks and Dixie cups. Yep. And that's where it's like, I think too, and this is where I get, what I get from it too, is like you said, you're a music snob, but I know you and I are a lot alike as people. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is too, is like, I don't get mad when I see those things because I think I'm better than anyone. Sure. I don't get mad because I think I'm more skilled than anyone. I get mad because I know they did it in a lazy way mm-hmm. and they're attempting to try and hit something that they didn't earn. Yep. Like in the rest of the show, if that makes sense. And yep, sometimes totally it's like that with music is like when they try and get those wordy emotional things, like you didn't earn it. Right. Like you, yep. you didn't you get, don't, you don't mean it. You, you didn't set yeah. up the audience to feel that correctly. Yep. And that's, you know, it, that's another thing that goes both ways. Cause I'm sure you've experienced this too, with watching other shows or listening to other podcasts or whatever, when somebody really nails it and they really, really do it perfect. I feel like I appreciate that more than yeah. a lot of other people might, because it's like, Holy crap, you did that. So perfect. Like I got, I can't even think of an, a, a specific thing and I got goosebumps thinking about it. You know, when you, when you just hear that right thing, it's like, Holy cow. You know, I, I could really, really appreciate what it took to dial that in just right. You know? Yeah. A lot of people joke with us and it, it, it's, a, there's like a competitive nature to it, especially like in the industry and stuff with us being on a history channel. But like meat eater is well known as the number one show in the industry. Like their brand is the biggest in the outdoor industry specifically and a lot of people, my mom like won't let my dad watch it in the house. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. like it's like a competitive thing. But to me, I also understand that he made a great big like he helped trailblaze us to be able to do what we do as well. Like he made that path. But also like some of his episodes, especially his older stuff, I don't I don't feel it is the, the same with the newer stuff. But a lot of the older stuff, I'm like, man, he got there and he got there good. Like his voiceovers, his writing, yep. like it's inspirational because it's so good. And like a lot of people like pin me to want to 
compete against him. But instead, I'm like, I, I, I think he's pretty good. Don't tell my mom because she'll you know, freak out because she just sees competition yeah. uh, with her son and how dare him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like you can I I, ha- I find more respect now for the people that I think in some cases do it better than me. Yeah, and um, that's what, man, there's certainly a lot of bands that we look at like, wow, that was really great. You know, who are some of them? Uh, so then, you you know, you get to talking about personal preferences, but like lyrically yeah. for me, um, like I love uh, Lumineers, you know, as far as a more modern band, those guys lyrically, you know, the, I feel like they mix in there is the right amount of pop with the right amount of, you know, deep, you know, lyrical meaning, stuff like that. Um, really like them, of course, like Chris Stapleton, stuff like that, but we're all... Yeah, Lucas Nelson is another a really big. The one. Wood Brothers too. Those Wood guys. Brothers are really, really great. Um, and then you know you got all the good classic rock ones. Like we're all, I'm huge Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young fan. That's where we get a lot of our harmonies and stuff from. Okay. Um, you know, but like I said, that that'll get into a topic of you know all of our kind of personal, personal yeah preferences will be a little bit different. You had something goes. really cool to say when we were talking about something. Because I saw you go for the mic. You you were talking about watching other people do what you do and being highly critical. Yeah. Yeah. My my wife and I are concert junkies. Um, I go over the summer. These guys, I probably send them a picture from a concert two or three times a week. How important yeah. is that, though? Because you're learning. I mean. You're, for you're- me, for me, I love it. Yeah. So our first date was at a concert. Her favorite band is the Avid Brothers. So we met at an Avid Brothers concert for the first time. Um, you know, we've just always been like that. We go to concerts as often as we can. And she hates when I whisper in her ear, that guy just screwed something up. <laughs> it happens every time. Yeah. And, I, and I'm the guy, and first of all, I'm, I'm a tall, large person, so I don't like standing in the front. I like standing in the back. But like, they can still hear you boo. I don't boo. No, no I don't boo. But I don't, I don't jump I around and dance. I'm the guy that sits there with my arms crossed like this and oh, just yeah. waits for you to mess up. Yeah. And Caleb knows too, <laughs> because I'll do it at festivals and stuff. I'll sit next to him and be like, that guy sucks or like whatever. <laughs> I'm not like that. But yeah, that's, I There's definitely. plenty of times you're like, that guy nailed it. Yeah, damn. absolutely. Or I'll get. Yeah, I'll get, I like the damn it I'll get so mad. Like, I'll he get so it. mad. Crap. I'll get so mad at how good somebody is that I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> or how much better than me they are. Like, I they, love like, that. Like, what's a Ruthie Foster's keyboard yeah, player at Wheatland? I was like, I'm out of here. I can't ta- I can't handle this guy anymore. No, I love that. Yeah. I get that. I feel that. That's exactly right. Like, a really good episode of a show that I consider yeah. a competitor, I'm like... I'm going to go home and practice I go right to the gym now. Right I, I go to the gym after. Yeah. Go I need go. to do something else besides watch them. Yeah. I... I yeah. I shouldn't say what I was going to say. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally get you. Uh, your story about how you came to the band is pretty unique in itself because you were like a competitor because he used to text me. He's like, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And now, <laughs> yeah, and now, enemy. And now you're here. Yeah, I mean, like, enemy. Like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he's still, he's like, yeah, he's still texting you that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So last week when you joined the band, what was the, no, just, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I moved out West and went to school. I went to music school out in California. When I moved back, I, uh, I wound up in a band with Neil. Um, this is, longer than that i think we're going on eight or nine years yeah Yeah, eight or nine years ago and that band didn't work out uh in a in a spectacularly awful way and uh we both split up right so neil went to the gypsies and then i went to a band called trip and dixie so for years, and they talked about Dixie cups and pickup trucks. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's didn't a, you guys always get to used to mistake for a country band because of your name? Or well, something? there's another band in the Detroit music scene called Tweed and Dixie. Uh, yeah, I think we actually we sent uh, them a season desist once. 
Really? Yeah, I think so. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always on no, the receiving end, so it's cool to know a, somebody a, that's sending them. There's a bar called Bottoms Up in the corner of Trip and Dixie, and our drummer used to have to pick his dad up there all the time. Anyways, it's a long story. But, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the Gypsies and Trip and Dixie were the two best bands in Detroit, for sure. We were always at, at the top of the bills for all the big shows, that you know, the, at least the local openers and stuff like that. And Trip and Dixie kind of had the Flint, like northern Oakland County market corner. And these guys were out here in Port Huron and some of Detroit and Ferndale and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't super competitive. Like we weren't like, yeah, we didn't like see each other and like, like, you know, the Sharks and the Jets. But and we actually played shows together a couple times, too. So we all got to know each other. Neil and I obviously knew each other very well. And that's exactly why I wasn't asked to be in this band after Trip and Dixie broke up. They did everything they possibly could to avoid me. Oh. He getting into this band it. he loves until, this story yeah so they couldn't i'm just jumping in <laughs> until they couldn't so no it, it's it's a it's a big joke but eventually i i kind of retired and said all right i'm going to focus on a different career for what a while like 31 yeah <laughs> i have i i it was a second act i said i'm done playing music professionally i'm gonna get into this and do this for a while and then uh and like i don't know end of the around this time last year actually um they hit me up, um, asked me to come play keys for them uh, at a show. We've tried every keyboard, every other player keyboard in player in the country. We got it. We, we got like, the only like, one left. You like answer the phone. You're like, oh, Caleb. Yeah. And the first thing he says is, fine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know at the time that they did this. Until we even found another Connor. There so. was another Connor. <laughs> Anyways, so they were playing um, the winter fundraiser for the show, the Wheatland Music Festival that we just played a couple months ago. And they had um, an extra extra guy playing uh, mandolin. They had a guy with them, and then they decided they wanted a keyboard player too. So I came out and just did a couple rehearsals and ended up playing that one show, and I thought, okay, that's it. And then we all kind of agreed that these guys have been playing together for so long, and I'm like Neil. I, I went to school for music. I, I was classically trained. I know all the theory and stuff. So I speak his language, but I've also been involved in a lot of other bands. And that's what sets us apart, I think, is that these guys have been in this band together for a long time while I've been kind of floating around doing a lot of other things. So they're like brothers. And when your brother says something to you, like, you suck at this, you say, well, you suck at this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So me, I can, <laughs> I can come in here and say, you suck at this, you suck at that, you suck at this, and you suck at that in so many words, right? Yeah. It's a fresh perspective is what it is. Sure. Yeah, it brought, it, it genuinely brought a lot to yeah. the table. It's a lot less negative than I'm making it sound. It's just kind of me. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> this, is just how Con this is how Connor phrased. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a new set of eyes on a process that has been honed over the last 10 years. So it's kind of just putting the finishing touches on these songs and then particularly on the business side of things too. I, like I said, I speak Neil's language. I also speak Jack, our manager's language. I speak Caleb's language when he's talking about songwriting and I kind of can communicate with everybody like that, I think. So yeah, no, that there's a lot of value in that too is um, we do, and this might be good for you guys. Although it sounds like you're well, well aware of it. Uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we have meetings where we call them. You can't hurt my feelings. And we say everything that needs to be said that to improve the company, right? To get better, to get our processes better. And because we're like family, because we're like brothers, it's like none of us can leave ever. Yeah. So we're all here. No one's going anywhere <laughs> yeah, ever. We, we are in that boat right yeah. now, for sure. So if that is the case, then what can we do to make each other's lives better? What can we do to make the company better? And it's really helped us grow 
especially over the last few years. But that is one person who's not on this podcast right now. You guys need to thank is Jack Hunger because the only reason we know about you is because of him. Exactly. Yeah. Jack, Jack Hunger. Hunger. <laughs> is, that like a, is that a bit? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, now you're like, we've actually that. never done that until right then. <laughs> something triggered. We never. Apparently, it comes back like once every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that, funny. We're doing, in, you know, introduction to the band story is really funny because Jack. Yeah. Jack and his wife heard us for the very first time at a little bar that was called the unwind when um steve and i and our old drummer jason were in that crappy ford econo line and hit a little spot up north on our way where we booked a gig and um jack and his wife were there okay uh, yep and i don't know if i should say this should i seems like you should now he said he's he said i decided i want to work with you guys because you got me laid that night that was the first thing he said. yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh man jack, no, I'm just kidding. Kidding. jack would tell that story to anybody i don't know why yeah, 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 no, yeah. no he's he's married it yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. it was it, it was with his wife just it so was at least know, something yeah. it was like pretty consensual but anyway so yeah that's where jack first heard us and you know him um him and his wife followed us around for a little while and um we had a falling out. Our, our previous manager kind of burned us pretty bad, and we were like, hey, you know. It was also my band's manager, yeah, too. I don't know yeah. if um, we want to work with somebody who's been, you know, in like in, in the music business, but rather sure. somebody who believes in us and has, you know, some really good business sense. And we just asked Jack one day, hey, what do you think about managing a band now that you just retired? You know? Yeah. Was, uh, he was all about it, and that's, the rest is history as far as that goes. Well, he, he saw us on CBS. We were on a CBS interview talking about our show launch on history channel and he reached out and was like hey i think that this music this band just listen to the music give it a try but i think you and caleb would really hit it off um he ba mostly sold me on you of being like <laughs> friends with me of like you guys would be friends <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's like listen to the music and we have been actively like i said looking for the right music to fit the tonality of our show and it's like impossible and uh i like listened to your guys music and i was like holy crap i was like and then there was just one hit after another that worked. And I was like, there's more than one here. Awesome. You know, and I was like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, and it ended up working out, and that's how it all started. So it was pretty. The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Savage Arms, Nosler Ammunition, Boss Shot Shells, Wilderness Athlete, Fuel for the Rugged, Tracker Boats, Fish the Finest, Eagle Fishing, Designed for the Savvy Angler, Rufus Teague Barbecues, Snacks, and Spices, Rectech Grills, It's More Than a Grill, It's a Way of Life, Sea Dew, Make Your Own Waves, LEM Products, Motivating People to Hunt, Process, and Prepare Their Own Food, Quiet Cat, The Leader in Electronic Bikes for Hunting, Fishing, Camping, and Exploring. Consistency. That's what you aim for with every practice shot. So when you're out in the field, you get that same consistency every shot. With Carlson's choke tubes, consistency is what you'll get. Our choke tubes are long-lasting, high-quality, and made right here in the USA. Carlson's choke tubes, pattern-tested, hunter-approved. Find out more at choketube.com. Are you anxious to get going? Knowing that the clock is ticking and time truly is the most precious commodity in the world? Then you, my friend, are in good company.
Uh, you guys are going to play some music for us. Yep. So, Absolutely. and uh, we've got a pretty good audio set up here that we're going to be able to actually make it not suck. That's right. So that's Hopefully, pretty, that's let's pretty, not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's no that, that's pretty cool. So, what what songs are you guys going to be singing? Um, I don't know. Honestly, we hadn't uh, th- thought it through quite that far. I didn't know we were doing a podcast. Yeah, I thought well, it was no, just <laughs> we weren't sure uh, how you guys wanted to take it as far as the music stuff goes. So, um, you know, I'm thinking well, probably Mud in the Water would probably be a pretty good yeah, start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, since that was kind of the one we kind of got deep in. Maybe yeah. Mud in the Water and one bonus one. So, yeah, for sure. let's head it over to the stage. That. Cool. Sounds good. Just another broken arrow Flung too many times No longer straight and narrow I was something in my prime Been flying through the darkness and There's no light to see Am I tripping over hard times? Are they tripping over me? Make peace with the sorrow What you stole from tomorrow Ain't coming back Ain't coming back again You'll break if you force it It comes and it goes You've got to let it out You've got to let it in Just another hickory Took on too many vines The weight is gonna break me But it'll take some time Used to know this forest Every leaf and every tree The world just keeps on a-growing It ain't got no room for me Make peace with the sorrow What you stole from tomorrow Ain't coming back Ain't coming back again You'll break if you force it It comes and it goes You've got to let it out You've got to let it in Got to let it in Sorrow, what you stole from tomorrow ain't coming back, ain't coming back again. You'll break if you force it, it comes and it goes. You've got to let it out, you've got to let it in. Many times, no longer straight and narrow, 
I was something in my prime. All my sins have been tucked away. Hiding from the light of the coming day When the sun rises I may come around Or I linger in the shadows till it sinks back down When I was young, the water clean Life was like ripples on a flowing stream Somewhere, darling, things went wrong Now there's mud in the water and the magic's gone I've been giving in to the lesser man The devil's been working with my idle hand Tomorrow seems so far away when you're living in the light of yesterday When I was young, the water clean Life was like ripples on a flowing stream Somewhere, darling, things went wrong Now there's mud in the water and the magic's gone It's gone The magic's gone It's gone Outdoors, head over to thegreenwayoutdoors.com for our weekly video podcast, how-to videos, greenway gear, and information on our shooting partners.